Hello and welcome to And That's My Two Cents podcast. I'm Catherine Tereski and today I'm going to talk about kids sleep issues and ferberizing your baby. I don't know if you've ever heard of ferberizing your baby. I mean maybe you have and you've tried it or maybe you haven't but you've heard of it or possibly neither. But for me I hadn't heard of it until my son's pediatrician told me that I needed to ferberize him. So in this episode I will talk about what that is and whether or not it worked for me along with uh, some other moments and other things that I tried in addition to ferberization. Now, I don't know if ferberization is a word, probably not, but neither is ferberize, I'm sure. So I'm just going to use those words and I don't care because this podcast is not about giving you a lesson in grammar. So if that's what you're looking for, then this is not the right podcast for you because I'm not great with my grammar. So I want to also apologize about the poor sound quality or maybe inconsistent sound quality in in my podcast, but I'm working on that. I'm trying a couple mics and I'm learning how to clean up the sound on my recording software. So anyhow, I'm a newbie at this, so just bear with me. It's hard to believe we're halfway through February already. And uh, at, oh, and since it's February, anybody doing the dry February challenge that's for cancer research? I think like what a great idea. That's something that I definitely maybe want to do next February since we're already halfway through this one. But uh, I think I'd like to do it with a group of people, something I'm going to think about doing and maybe seek out some podcast listeners to join me. I definitely won't have a problem going a month without uh, any alcohol since I actually went seven years at one point in time without a single drop. So this one month will be a super duper breeze for me. And by the way, I did not drink any alcohol for seven years, totally just by choice. Just wanted to throw that out there. But anyhow, that's next year. Let's get back to the present. So let's start with a little background on how I ended up at the pediatrician's office being told to ferberize my son because this was something obviously I hadn't heard of, especially because my firstborn was such a great sleeper when he was really, really young. And thank goodness for that because he was only five and a half months old when I was having to take him to daycare and go back to work because back in 1997 here in Canada, you were only given six months off after you had a baby. And that was really hard. I hated dropping him off at daycare and little tiny bucket seat so young. It was very, very difficult. The best thing that the government here did after I had him was extend that to a year. I actually think in the States, it's only like three months or something. If if my facts are correct and that is true, then they really need to do something about that because that is not enough time. I really feel for those parents if they are actually going back to work after only three months. I'm not exactly sure what it's like in other countries either. I mean, maybe some other countries even get more than a year. I don't know, but I'm happy living here in Canada and just grateful that we have access to benefits like that so that we can stay home for a year. Anyhow, I digress. So let's go back to the pediatrician appointment that I was talking about. After he told me that I needed to do that, I literally drove straight to chapters to find the book that I needed to ferberize him. And it was called How to Solve Your Child's Sleep Problems by Dr. Richard Ferber, hence the term ferberize. I was on my way to chapters and I just kept saying rhymes with Gerber, Ferber, because I didn't want to forget who the author was that I was looking for when I got there. I wasn't really sure how many other books maybe were called How to Solve Child Sleep Problems. So I wanted to make sure I got the right one. And it was really easy because... Gerber rhymes with Ferber and Gerber is such a popular baby food company that it really kind of just tied together. But if we go even further back, uh, I should probably say that my son was actually born five weeks premature, which apparently may have contributed to this. 
Interestingly, they say that premature babies show more frequent sleep difficulties, they're often more restless, and have breathing problems. With my son being premature, he was definitely also restless um, in so many different situations. I mean, especially like when you'd have to take him on a plane and trying to get him to stay in the seat on my lap, actually, because prior to turning two, they just sit on your lap and he would just squirm and cry the entire flight because he would just want to get up and especially when he was a year old and run up and down the aisle, like he just would throw himself. I mean, parents listening know how those kids can just throw themselves around and thrash around. It was really, really difficult. I should also say that from what they said online about breathing problems, he also had uh, breathing problems, which was quite often misdiagnosed as croup over and over again. And that's when his pediatrician figured that, you know, this cannot be croup since he wouldn't get it so often throughout the year. In thought, he might have tracheomalacia. <laughs> tracheomalacia? I don't know if I said that right, but it's a condition where uh, his airway may not have opened all the way, which apparently can happen in preterm babies. So he kind of explained it to me like it was pinched along one side and not fully open. So then when you'd get a regular cold or anything at all irritated his airway, it would just further restrict it, an already restricted airway, making it difficult for him to breathe and giving him that kind of barking sound cough and that wheezing when he would breathe. Uh, I mean, some of those issues may have been croup, but very, very very unlikely that they all were croup. Now back to ferberizing. Sorry about that. Um, my son had turned a year old when I was at this pediatrician appointment. Um, and every time that we would go to his appointments and I took him to regularly for all of his appointments, the doctor would always ask me how he was sleeping. And normally I'd say that he's not, but yet we would just continue on with his appointments. So this time I must have really sounded desperate or maybe I just looked like I had gone through the ringer with big bags under my eyes and just very obvious that I was struggling to just get through the appointments. So so he said that I needed to ferberize him. And as I said earlier, I literally went straight to chapters and bought this book and I dove right into it and started the process that very night. I think it says not to start this too young. So since a baby normally will start sleeping through the night, I think around six months, I don't know that they recommended this method if your baby was under that age. Just, you know, if you're considering doing this, just pay attention to, to that as well. But my son was a year old, so I was good to go with this. I was a little bit worried about trying it, to be honest, because I'd already tried the crying it out method, which never, ever worked. The poor kid would cry for hours. And I really think it just made things worse and not better. But of course, so many parents would tell me that I just had to let him cry it out. But it did not work. And I would not recommend that to any parent. It was not only traumatizing for him, but it was traumatizing for me. I did this for, oh my gosh, for days, because that's what people kept telling me to do, but no success. He would cry and cry and I mean for hours. So I figured this book was exactly that again, but it's actually not. This method does involve letting the baby or child cry, but you do it in intervals and you have specific instructions on what to do and what not to do when that timed interval is up and you have to go into their room. I should also mention that this has you take away soothers, bottles, anything that you've allowed your baby to take to bed because those actually help your child fall asleep. Because if the child wakes up in the middle of the night and the soother or bottle or whatever fell out of their mouths, they will need you to come and put that back 
back in so they can fall back to sleep. The baby needs to learn to fall asleep on their own, totally unassisted with no help from you or things. So that is what this process does to help them to fall asleep on their own. I think the purpose of the timed intervals is really just to assure your child that you're nearby so that they don't feel like you've left and they're alone or they're abandoned or whatever. And I believe you just go in, you don't speak to them, or if you do speak to them, you're supposed to do it really quietly in a soothing, calm kind of voice. And you don't pick them up. You just assure them that they're not alone and that you're nearby. So you can like pat their back or something like that if you go in there. But also to be sure that you're putting them to bed when they are sleepy and not when they're wide awake. Otherwise, this is just going to drag out and make it even way more difficult than it needs to be. And yet, you still need to make sure that when you're leaving their room, that you're leaving when they are still awake. Otherwise, if you're there when you they fall asleep, I believe the theory is that if they wake up in the middle of the night and you're gone, but you were there when they were awake, they may wonder where you went and they're going to need you back there in order for them to fall asleep again. So I did exactly what it said I needed to do, and it was hard. It was definitely not easy to listen to your child cry, but at least I knew that there was a timer that was about to go off, and I knew that if he was still crying, I was able to go into his room. And after I think back, I think it took us about a week for it to fully work. And then it really worked. Like I could just kiss him, put him in his crib, say goodnight, turn out the light, leave, and not hear a peep. He would just go to sleep, 100% all on his own. No bottle, no soother, no rocking him, no singing, no rubbing his back. Like he just literally went to sleep. Here's where things didn't work for us. The book says once they learn to fall asleep on their own, they will stay asleep. Or if they wake up after a sleep cycle, they'll know how to put themselves back asleep on their own, but not here. And I couldn't really find in the book, no, maybe it's in there, but I couldn't find it, what to do if they fell asleep easy and unassisted at night, but didn't stay asleep and continued to wake up in the middle of the night. I don't remember there being anything in there, but I mean, again, like I said, maybe it, maybe it is. I believe you were supposed to do some of the intervals again in the middle of the night um, if they did wake up, which I did try. But I also brought this up to the pediatrician at the next appointment, and he said that if he was falling asleep so well on his own, then he would stay asleep. And it almost made me feel like he thought I wasn't being truthful or or maybe he was implying that I wasn't following the process or maybe I wasn't actually sticking to it, but I totally was. I was following it to a T. There I was once again, not knowing what to do. I, I will say that this was definitely unusual from the research I did. So don't let my experience make you think that it doesn't work because I am sure that it would work for almost everyone else. For me, I was still getting up in the middle of the night. I mean, I was, wasn't sleeping. So this was very difficult, making me feel like a total zombie again. But I figured I needed to once again, try the crying it out method. Because when I did the intervals in the middle of the night for weeks and weeks and weeks with no improvement, I was like just ready to give up. So I decided the next night when he would wake up, I would just leave him and not go in there at all because I was desperate to try and solve this. So I was going to try this crying it out method again. 
So that next night I did exactly that or I tried and oh my god this upsets me even thinking about it and it's been like 14 years but I let him cry and I really just let him cry and he cried. Oh, I don't even know. I, it was for sure over two hours of like screaming and crying and I was probably crying too at this point because the whole house was up. Nobody was getting any sleep and so I couldn't take it anymore after listening to it for that long and so I just gave up and went into his room and when I picked him up oh my gosh he was sick and had a fever and he was burning up and now I was totally sick to my stomach with guilt and I felt like the worst mom on the planet because I just left him in there to cry when he actually needed me. I felt awful and like I said, I just, I just felt like a horrible, horrible mom. So there ended the just letting him cry it out. I never, ever did that again. I was never going to try that again. It didn't work before. It didn't work this time. And now I was just always going to be worried that if he woke up and cried in the middle of the night that he was he was sick or there was something else wrong and that I needed to needed to be there for him. And, and by the way, he just wasn't hot from screaming for hours. It was a different body heat. The one that moms know when your child is sick. Like you just know. Plus, he battled that fever for, I think, the entire next day or two, so it definitely was not from crying. It's also important for me to mention that I think this book goes into detail about developing proper sleep routines for the baby or child as well. Just like in my episode about insomnia, apparently it doesn't matter how old you are, proper sleep routines are a must for everybody. And I guess, you know what, if you think about it, probably the earlier you start implementing a sleep routine, the better because that habit will have developed and it will probably stick with them and probably make life easier for everyone right into adulthood. So this book isn't just all about babies either. It also has additional chapters for kids as they get older. When I look back, I think maybe breathing issues could have been waking him up and being premature and restless. I mean, that all couldn't have helped. But uh, the fact that putting him to bed every night was such a breeze after ferberizing him, I would totally recommend doing it based on that alone. That was at least one less stressful event every night. And I found he would also fall asleep at nap time much easier as well. So good things happened as a result. It didn't solve my problems entirely. However, I think for the majority of people, it would work. When my son was a little older, I think maybe like around seven or eight, he was still having some issues with sleeping. And so I wanted to try something different. So I found this book called Dread Your Bed, which despite the title, isn't just about kids that are scared scared of their bed necessarily because that wasn't the case for us but it's actually a book for your child and not really you it's like for the child and the child gets to determine their own bedtime based on instructions they follow in the book so don't think that that means they get to stay up all night if they want and they decide hey I'm gonna go to bed at midnight but that's that's not it at all they determine and set their routine that sort of thing this book is really awesome for kids around that age like it was amazing it seems to let the child feel in control and gets them them to make those decisions. Therefore, the child is likely to follow as no one is telling them what to do because it's their plan. It's their routine. They're involved in it and included in the decision making. And I think that probably makes them feel proud of it as a result when it actually works because they did it and they did it on their own. And it really does work. So it's like an activity book for teaching good sleep habits. There were some sections in there that uh, we didn't use because it didn't pertain to my son. Like I think there's a section on being scared or monsters in the closet or I don't know, things like that. So again, I'm thinking back, tapping into my memory from a decade ago or more. So we use these sections 
sections that we needed and the sections that we needed were great. So I recommend this book 100% to anybody whose kids are having a hard time sleeping. I will include the link in the show notes so you can purchase this book if you want. And of course, how do I not mention the Slumber app right now? The one that I raved about in my last episode. It has a kids section of sleep stories as well. So that's always something else that you could try too. And no, Slumber is still not sponsoring my podcast. Just need to mention that. I just really like this app. So in conclusion, I would say that both of these methods really helped us out. Like we didn't have 100% success in every area at that time, but they did make little things easier for us. And the results in those areas where we did succeed were really awesome. So I therefore definitely recommend both of these books if you are in a similar situation or you know somebody who may be looking for help with something like this. I'm pretty sure there are many, many people out there with a child who has sleep difficulties or a grandchild or or knows a friend who's dealing with this sort of thing because it's actually really common. Also remember just to hang in there because it's going to take some time and it will be difficult and you will probably want to give up at some point I'm sure but just don't because it will get better. And that's pretty much it. That's my two cents on dealing with kids sleep problems. So join me next time where I'm going to give you my two cents on cognitive behavioral thinking. So you definitely don't want to miss that. In my opinion, it is life changing. Bye.